This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. August uh, 15th, year of alert 2023. Um our second hour of the late afternoon and evening show of the war room uh, the next two days on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, we'll be in Missouri at the election summit. Uh, and we've got a lot going on there. We're going to be absolutely packed, but there's some things I want to get through before we, uh, before we get to the Missouri. Dr. Pierre Corey uh, comes back to the show. Uh, Dr. Corey, thank you so much. I want to get to your book on ivermectin in a moment. But I got to talk about this amazing article up on Brownstone. I think they took from your Substack, off of a op-ed I think in USA Today, titled "I Published an Op-ed in USA Today on the Excess Excess Mortality in Young People Across the World." You talk about what that is and how you got it in there. Can you take a second to explain to our audience exactly what you're talking about here? Because it's quite important. I think the math here is very important, sir. So what I'm talking about, and let's just jump to the point, right? So in that op-ed, I brought attention to a wave of death that's rippled across uh, advanced health economies over the last few years, right? I get it. COVID happened. But if you actually look at the data, it finally shows, I think, the most compelling support for what many of us COVID experts have been talking about for a couple of years is that these vaccines are the most toxic and lethal medical intervention we've ever seen. We have numerous sources of data, but we're in a political environment where the censorship is not just social media and media, but it's occurring in the medical journals. They're not publishing any analyses of the data that's adverse towards the vaccines. And so that op-ed, Stephen, you understand how big that op-ed was. I mean, I got an op-ed in which it simply asked the question, all I did was ask the question, what is killing people? And the data that I provide is that we're seeing unprecedented what's called excess mortality, right? So death rates tend to be very stable over time. They do change, but they change slowly within populations. But the, the, I would say the crux of that op-ed was I pointed out that our youngest and healthiest members of society, right, which are white collar workers, right, traditionally have the lowest mortality rates. Well. In 2021, in the third quarter, we saw historically unprecedented rise. The actuarial life insurance industry has never seen that in their history. A rise suddenly in a three-month period in the third quarter of 2021 in the healthiest uh, group life insurance holders. And, you know, the, I, I leave all of the data. That's only the, the most granular data I talk about, the UK and Australia and a number of other countries. But what's interesting about the U.S. is that we have this actuarial data that's now public, it's a public report, and it allows you to not only time when those deaths skyrocketed, but among whom, like what ages they skyrocketed. And when you actually look through that report and you see the data, and you marry that with what the CEO of One America, which is one of the one, one of the biggest life insurance agencies um, companies, you know, he said that a 10 percent 
rise from year to year in a death rate amongst a cohort of the population is a 1 in 200 year event. 1 in 200 year event would be a 10% rise. And they saw in the third quarter of 2021 a 38% rise. They've never seen that in the history of their business outside of wartime. And now all the naysayers are going to say, oh, this is global warming, this is lockdowns, this is delayed health care, this is deaths of despair from alcoholism or drug addiction or suicide. And all of those things are a cause of death, but they have been for a while. Why? What, what happened in the third quarter of 2021? And, you know, in my substack, which kind of I, I followed up my op-ed, because in my op-ed we never mention the word vaccine. We just leave the question. Who is looking at this and why aren't they? This is a historic catastrophic event. We're losing young people at rates we've never lost them before, and no one's asking the question. Now, I couldn't put vaccine in there. Steve, you know, if I had done that, it would have never gotten published in any major media. But in my substack, I was much more open and brazen. And I point out that all of those other competing reasons make no sense. The Templar Association, if you look at the fall of 2021, that's when university, corporate, and governmental vaccine mandates all went into force. All those young people were starting to get vaccinated at incredible rates, and you see it in the death data. It basically, in my mind, my interpretation, it is the most compelling evidence that these vaccines are deadly. Two things. Um, <clears throat> one, why couldn't it just been uh, the COVID, uh, the, the pandemic, the virus itself? Okay, so... COVID uh, deaths are uh, graded as such, right? So when you actually look at the death claims, you can actually see how many deaths were from COVID. And COVID explains a lot of the excess death in 2020. Now, most of those excess deaths in 2020 were elderly people. We know that they're their highest risk. We know from the death data that young people do not die of COVID. I mean, uh, under 18, there's almost no deaths from COVID. And even in young, so why in 2021 did people suddenly start, young people, like we're talking about young people, why did they suddenly start dying of COVID? They didn't. The variants were weakening. They were not as deadly. And then you saw this huge rise in young people dying. So as far, and, and I appreciate the, the consideration of other confounding explanations and other causes. Yeah. But it makes no sense. It's, it's the abruptness, the magnitude and the timing. What? And, and when you COVID, say young people, to, can you just uh, so you've explained why well, it can't be COVID because there's a, a track record there and patent it didn't kill the young. Although they were maniacally obsessed with getting the vaccine into the young, it didn't kill the young. Number two is uh, just what, what age bracket you talk about and what percentage when you say, you know, yeah. the greatest rise ever. What age so bracket are you talking about? What's the percentage increase? So the umbrella term would be working age Americans. That's a cohort from 18 to 64. But when you actually dive deep into life insurance report, they break it down into deciles. So you have like, I think they have a report of zero to 21 and then like 22 to 32 or you know 30 to 44. So you can see each decile. And when you see the 20 year old uh, decade, you know, the 30 year olds and the 40 year olds with these unprecedented rises, I mean, it's just shocking. And, and what's, more, it's more, what's more damning, it's not just young people. When you look at who of the young people are dying, you get even more detail. It's white-collar workers. So why, you know, so there's, there's blue-collar, gray-collar, and white-collar. Gray-collar is like teachers, right? And 
When you look at actually who was dying at the highest rates, it was white collar workers suddenly. That's traditionally the healthiest sector of society. Suddenly, in the fall of 2021, white collar workers, the most educated, the most wealthy, uh, the most you know active uh, in their careers, they suddenly start dying off at rates that the industry hasn't seen before. So you're left with the question, what happened in the white collar workplace in the third quarter of 2021? And, and and then the other piece of data is when you look at the different parts of the labor market, who had the highest death rates? Government employees. And I, I put in evidence, if you remember, early September 21, that's when Biden put in his federal employee mandate, right? So anyone employed, even contractors by the federal government, were mandated to get vaccinated. And you saw that sector of the labor market got, got hammered. Why was... Um the insurance companies, why have they not made a bigger deal about this? You don't ha- have them going screaming to Wall Street. You, 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 they almost, I would say, suppress the information. Would that be too harsh a term? Because there wasn't a huge outcry of this that, that was clearly costing them money. That is the question. That's the one that I've been scratching my head over. Because what I write about in my sub stack, which kind of accompanies the op-ed, is um, I had the opportunity I was put in a meeting with about 20 representatives of life insurance companies, um, executives, actuaries, representatives of, the, of those executives. And myself and a couple of colleagues, some COVID experts, we gave them damning data on the effects of suppression of early treatments like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and damning data on how toxic and lethal these vaccines were. Now, this is the life insurance industry. They came to this meeting because they saw their signals. They saw that death claims were absolutely skyrocketing. You're right, about the money. Imagine what it's like to pay a group life health insurance claim for a 21-year-old who normally would be paying that policy premium for another 40 years before dying, and now you're paying it out 40 years early. I mean, it's huge. So they came to this meeting, but I will tell you, only two people at that meeting turned on their cameras, and no one spoke, no one asked questions. And the, the, the experts that put together this meeting that are involved in the life insurance industry, they told me it's a very conservative business and that their epidemiologic data is divorced from their financial data. Those are different departments. It's very delayed and diffused. And for them to figure out how much money they're losing, it's going to take them time. But the premiums well, are going to come. Well, two things. A lot of these young people might not even have policies, right? They just think they're going to live forever, so there's no reason to policy. The other is uh, they're so government-controlled that – they didn't. They didn't want to cross. The, they didn't want to cross. Um, they didn't want to cross the government by coming out. Well, I, you had a response on the first yeah, one. Okay. I just want to be clear that actually, the data that I, I really mostly focused on is data taken from the population that has a group life health insurance policy. Now you have to ask yourself, who wow, insurance policy. So group life health insurance is generally Fortune 500 employees, right? So corporate. Yep. Wow. And or government employees that have group life health. So they all wow. had life insurance. And we know what those wow. are. Wow. We know what the rates of dying are because that's the, that's their business. And when they see a sudden spike, it decimates yep. their business. And so they put yep. out the alarm. Wow. But it got nowhere. You're right. I, I, I know it's Steve, to your question. The point of that meeting that I was in is that our hopes were that we could get a collection of life insurance uh, industry executives to come out and put a put out a public statement or hold a press conference. That did not happen. There was no appetite for it. And the reason why 
is they don't have the vaccination status of those who die. So they couldn't be, you know, hyper completely clear that you could show that the vaccinated people are dying more. All you could see is. The yeah, but 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 hang on. But hang on. Since they were already policy, they, they, they were the guys. Unfortunately, those are the ones that enforced the mandate. The government employed yes. the government and the big corporations definitely enforced. The numbers would be worse if you counted who didn't have it or the people entrepreneur or self-employed or just workers, you know, in the field. The numbers would be much yeah. higher. But to know this, this is because they didn't want to. They don't want to cross the regulators. They don't want to cross the. They don't want the regime's got a narrative. They don't want to cross the narrative, and uh, and they're not going to do it. They don't care if they lose money. They don't care if their shareholders lose money. It's better than being being put out of business, and that's what they're afraid to be put out of business. And, and and you're right. And if you look at the history of the insurance industry, right, they have pioneered standards of safety in any number of sectors. So so maritime safety, aviation safety, electrical, building codes, right, health safety. I mean, they, they really have, um, you know, found data and interventions that have protected us from lots of different dangers that we have as we go through life. And here, they're sitting silent as they're watching those vaccines decimate a big portion of society. And one of the reasons why I think they're doing that is because that was then, this is now. You know that the uptake of vaccines has plummeted. No one's interested in these, even though there's some places that are still mandating. I mean, there's very little vaccine uptake of these COVID vaccines. So maybe they're just hoping that this will be water under the bridge and they'll recover. I don't know, yeah. but uh, the death rates are still up. That's the thing. We're still seeing excess deaths. And so it's still a problem and we need to look at this. But government's not functioning. And I don't think it's going to happen. I want to I want to pivot. Uh, if I go on MSNBC, you're the kook that uh, in the bad guy that that got America to start looking at. Is it horse tranquilizers, animal tranquilizers? Talk to me. The, the book is horse ivermectin. Horse, tra horse, whatever, dewormer, horse dewormer. Um, you're the one that's got everybody to go into the vet stores and buying dewormer. You're considered a kook, a nutcase, a bad guy. The book you can't put down because it's like almost like a mystery, right? It's like a police procedural. Tell us about it. Tell us about ivermectin and your fight to make sure that this drug is available to people. Yeah, so just briefly, you know, myself and some colleagues, um, when COVID was coming towards our shore, we got together. We started researching everything about COVID. We put out protocols. Um, we did that on our website, which is flccc.net, where the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. And we just studied everything about COVID, all the therapeutics, and we were, we, were, we were tracing all of the trials, all the data. And in October of 2020, we started to see a collection of trials coming from multiple places in the world showing ivermectin's massive efficacy in reducing deaths, hospitalizations, time to clinical recovery, and time to um, uh, viral clearance. And we put it in our protocol. I gave testimony in, in the Ron Johnson Senate hearing. It went viral, and ivermectin became a huge um, topic uh, and a considered therapeutic in COVID. And what I did in this book is after we did that and we gave our advice and it started to be heard, our lives all went sideways, and things were happening to us that I never would have imagined. I mean, you know, I know you were joking, Stephen, you called me a fringe or a coup, but I do want to say that myself and my colleagues were some of the most highly published doctors in our specialty. You know, my partner, Paul Merrick, is the most published practicing ICU doctor in the history of our specialty. So we, we had, you know, decades of credibility. Many of us are highly published, well-known in our specialty, but it didn't matter. 
as soon as we started recommending ivermectin, it seemed like the whole world was against us. And what that book does is I detail the war on ivermectin in terms of it was a massive disinformation campaign. And I learned about this information as that war was going on. I didn't understand what was happening. I didn't understand why I was getting attacked, you know, why I was losing jobs, why I was such a pariah all of a sudden. And it happened one day in March of 2021 when a researcher wrote me an email and he just said, Dear Dr. Corey, what they're doing to ivermectin, they've been doing to vitamin D for decades. And he, he included a link to an article called The Disinformation Playbook. It essentially describes what industries do when science emerges that's inconvenient to their interest. And those, the playbook is named after American football plays. And they, they, taught, they basically detail the fraudulent science that they put out, how it's published in, in high-impact journals, how the media carries those messages to the population, and, and then uh, how they capture agencies and research. And they blitz researchers. It's called the blitz. It's, that's when they harass researchers. And, my career has been decimated. I'm now out of academia. In fact, all of us in my group, our careers have ended. We've literally been thrown out of our hospitals, accused of everything under the sun. And, and so it, it's, it really has been a war. And um, I described that war. And by the way, although I talk about ivermectin, it's been going on for decades. Pharma has been destroying off-patent drugs for decades. And although I wrote the book, The War on Ivermectin, one of my colleagues, Peter McCullough, could have written the book, The War on Hydroxychloroquine, because it was the same war, same tactics, same results. Millions dying. Uh, how can people... Uh, I want to have you back on. I want to break down the whole history of the ivermectin. But how do people get the book in the interim? And how do they get to your substack uh, yeah. and other information about you? Because you've been doing fascinating work. I appreciate it. So, yeah, the book, uh, Amazon's probably the best place to buy it. Um, uh, so you just go at Amazon, The War on Ivermectin. Uh, my nonprofit is called uh, the FLCCC, so FLCCC.net. My substack is called Medical Musings, and that's PierreCorey.substack.com. And then my private practice, where I treat and specialize not only in general medicine, but uh, vaccine injury and long-haul COVID, uh, that's DrPierreCorey.com. What type of, right before I go, what type of, when you say vaccine um, damage, uh, what types of percentage, are you seeing a lot of that? Oh, that's my entire practice. So I am seeing uh, myself and my partner, we have hundreds of patients under our care who are suffering from what I call a post-COVID-19 vaccine injury syndrome. So I see patients with syndromes, not complications. So the difference between complications and syndrome Complication is more like a single organ problem, like a myocarditis or a heart attack or a stroke. What I'm seeing is these patients, and what they really have, it's most like chronic fatigue syndrome or what we call myalgic encephalitis. And these patients are decimated with fatigue they've never experienced before, post-exertional malaise, which is when they try to do some activity or exertion, sometimes just going to get the mail from the mailbox, puts them in bed for two hours. They have no exertional capacity and they have lots of cognitive problems. And that's three core symptoms of it. The rest of the stuff they come is lots of dysautonomia, so abnormal heart rates and blood pressures, um, lots of neuropathies, burning, tingling, electric shocks, numbness, pain, um, lots of cranial symptoms, so headache, dizziness, um, uh, and then gastrointestinal uh, issues. It, it, it really spans the entire body, but the neuropathies are wicked and the systemic fatigue is overwhelming. Most of my patients are disabled. Can, how do people, if they have those, uh, if our war room posse 
either have them themselves or know people that have them, how do they contact you on the medical side? They should come to me at DR, so Dr. Dr. PierreCorey.com. That's P-I-E-R-R-E-K-O-R-Y.com. Dr. Corey, thank you very much. It's a very brave, heroic fight you've had uh, to stand up uh, for medicine, to stand up for the medical profession, uh, and to stand up for uh, for average citizens. So thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. Same to you. This is what you see across the board. This is what you, whether it's these indictments in uh, in Georgia or what's happening to the folks in Michigan. Uh, to other people trying to stand up, they're always going to come after you. They're going to come. The apparatus is going to come and come hard. Uh, I want to get up uh, Ben Harnwell. Ben, uh, and we talk about the apparatus coming hard. Uh, I want to just take a second and, and, and contextualize what's happening here. The situation in Ukraine, which has taken up so much hundreds of billions of dollars, and don't believe it when you see it in the press, it's $43 billion. That's a lie. We put another $300 million of weapons in. Uh, over the last couple of days, I think the total all in, we look at every agency, everything we're doing, including Social Security, all in, it's north of 150, almost $200 billion. Okay. They're putting, a, Biden's put up a $20 billion supplemental, right? I think he's put up 12 or $13 billion for, for Maui, uh, for Hawaii, $20 billion for Ukraine, $13 billion in more weapons, uh, more military assistance, and another $7 or $8 billion to pay. To pay their uh, to pay their uh, doctors and to pay their nurses and to pay the pensions, all that, all of which total health care and uh, pensions that you don't have, American citizens don't have, but you're paying for it. And of course, Ben, one of the articles we want to talk about, they had a thing of Odessa over the weekend, and I realize Odessa, the the grain facility is being knocked out, but the beaches of Odessa look like uh, look like Miami Beach, right? It looks like tourism's in high season. More importantly, is this story, Ben. I want to go through that talks about the actual reality of what's happening on the ground in Ukraine as they're now shoveling in more money. The reality of what's happening on the ground uh, versus, um, you know, versus uh, what they're telling the media, because it's there's a strong information lockdown in Ukraine to the American people, as there is in Maui, about what caused this or what's going on in Maui, as we now know that land speculators are all over the the citizens of uh, of. Uh, Maui to sell their land to them. So Ben, walk me through what's the reality. This I, I think this article in the Asia Times that came off a Substack uh, from one of uh, Frank Gaffney's guys over the community of the present danger is pretty stunning, sir. Good evening, Steve. You know I'm going to start with um, I will get to that off, um, but I want to start because you started off your introduction this evening talking about context and putting this into context. You know every day I come here on the war room and I give updates on what's going on, what's not what not going on in Ukraine. I mean, we're always saying that this is costing taxpayers right across the world, but principally American taxpayers. To put this into context, now you're absolutely right that, that, that the figure is, is, is I think that the, the, the truer figure is going to be somewhere between 180 and 200 billion um, that the US has given all together, you know, in financial aid, military aid, and what have you. Um, the Heritage Foundation, however, their budgetary analysis expert, Richard Stern, he's done a calculation uh, based on the, the then, obviously the, the figure is changing constantly, the, uh, the, the then accepted figure of, um, based on formal aid packages alone of 113 billion, which is, as you say, a lot more than the, 
40 billion, which they're publicly admitting to. And I said context. How much is, does this affect the average US household? Well, according to the Heritage, uh, $900 per American household so far. So there's the, um, the first calculation that I've seen is, is that it actually relates this is not in terms of abstract billions with so many zeros after it, but an, uh, a concrete damage to each American family. That's $900. Um, now, I'm going to move on from that. I've got five articles to go through. Um, as always, folks, I'm going to put the links. Uh, go to the warming page on Rumble. Come to me on a get and follow the link Rumble. I'll put all of the links for this in the in the show in the show notes next article i'm coming to now uh memphis is the second one the semaphore article here the headline is wagner and iran are turning belarus into a new front of europe warren posse isn't going to be surprised by this but uh the story i'm going to come on to next after this um i do want to bring to your attention um all updates that suggests something is going on in Belarus with Wagner. Here's another article. I'll just read out two very brief extracts, and then I'm going to move on to, to the article, Steve, you were actually talking about. Poland, Lithuania, and Latvia have all rushed thousands of troops to their borders over the past few weeks in response to Belarusian military exercises in the west of the country. Officials from NATO countries tell Semaphore that they are also closely monitoring the influx of Wagner mercenary forces into Belarus. Um, you, you might want to read that article, Posse, and it's got a lot in it, uh, but I'm just going to mention that now. Why am I mentioning that? Uh, because there is something going on. There, there's the satellite images, uh, military journalist telegram commentators all seem to be indicating something is going on with Russia towards the southern border, that, they're, that, 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 that something is going on, a counter-counter-offensive. Um, this article here in, in the Asia Times is pretty much in I, that. I uh, hang on. Uh, ben, just hang on for one second. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to be back. we got Ben Harnwell. Uh, we're going through the true situation in Ukraine. Short commercial break. Back in a moment. We are days away from the Durban Accords, the greatest threat to the United States dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years. On August 22nd, BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are expected to announce the launch of a new international supercurrency fully backed by gold or other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant the United States and the dollar as the cornerstones of the global financial system. How can you protect your IRA or 401k from the fallout from this landmark announcement? Diversify with gold from Birch Gold Group. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty, which is right now. Get a free info kit on gold IRAs and decide for yourself if a tax-sheltered retirement account backed by physical precious metals is right for you. 
text the word Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. This is a monumental shift happening among nations that control one-third of the world's GDP. And it kicks off on August 22nd. Arm yourself with information to protect your retirement savings. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-L-N, to the number 989898 and claim your free information kit from Birch Gold. A lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their employees. But it's not enough to complain. We need to change the way the marketplace works. And that starts with you and where you actually spend your money in less than a year. Public SQ has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses the world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that would never counsel you for your political views, Public SQ is your guide. Public Square connects freedom-loving Americans with the community and businesses they share their values. Here's the best part. It's absolutely free to join. Just go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com and download their app today. Simply create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. We can't always change the world, but we can change how and where you spend your hard-earned dollars. Begin your search at Public Square today. That's publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Take action. Stop giving your money to people that hate you and your values. Go to publicsq.com. You should choose an air purifier like your life depends on it, because it just might. Canadian wildfire smoke has blanketed the United States, reaching as far as our southern states. And with wildfire season in full swing nationwide, toxic smoke is threatening our health. EnviroCleanse is military-grade air purification that's now available for your home. EnviroCleanse is specifically designed to wipe out airborne chemicals and viruses known to cause illness, allergies, and difficulty in breathing. Even toxic gases and particles found in wildfire smoke are no match for EnviroCleanse. That is how you keep your family healthy. And this is why the Department of Defense chosen EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy combatants. And only EnviroCleanse comes with a free professional air quality monitor so you know your family's breathing purified air or you get your money back. Visit ekpure.com. That's ekpure.com. And use code STEVE for 10% off your EnviroCleanse air purification unit. You'll also receive the free air quality monitor Plus fast free shipping. That's a hundred and fifty bucks saving. Now visit ekpure.com. Ekpure.com code word Steve. Ekpure.com code word Steve. Take action. Use your agency. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, uh, this piece that we're about to talk about is in the Asian Times is by uh, one of the Center for Security Policy, one of Frank Gaffney's guys, Stephen Byron. Um, he's also on the Committee on the Present Danger, 
We're going to have Dr. Bradley Thayer join us in a second. Walk us through uh, this and the buried leads in this, Ben, because this is quite an explosive piece in the Asia Times. Thanks, Steve. So the headline here is ground softening for big Russian offensive. And that's following on what I was just saying before the break. Uh, something is happening on, on, on the southern border of Ukraine. Um, the two polls here that I would like to take from this article, and I'll just cite them directly. There have also been reports of Ukrainian units refusing to fight. And while information on such mutinies has been suppressed, it seems to have happened in the past few days. Steve, that corroborates what you were saying on the show about Ukrainians um, basically not wanting to fight anymore and uh, not being sent to fight anymore because it's a meat grinder. Um, The second thing I want to quote, and this is the first time I've actually seen this in writing, is no one can say for sure whether Ukraine's military still supports Zelensky. But as more and more cracks appear in Kiev, it is a good bet that they may take matters into their own hands. Should that happen, Zelensky will likely be deposed. Um, And that context is around the fact that, uh, according to uh, uh, rumours, Zelensky is about to to fire his defence minister. Now, um, I've just got two more stories I'd like to to quickly hit, if I may, before we go to Dr. Thayer. But but, 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 but hang on. But ho, 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 hang on. I want to go back to these for a second. This is pretty explosive, and this is tied to unconfirmed from other sources we have that say there may be up to, for the entire war, as many as 200,000 KIAs uh, on the Ukrainian side, civilian and military, in the war. Uh, we don't know if that number is correct because we don't know any numbers. All the numbers that come out of there are you know, non-verifiable. What we do know is that they've had a difficult time getting young troops um, outside of being press ganged to the front. And, the, and, and Zelensky just fired his entire um, command of the recruitment for taking bribes from family members. And the money's been substantial. In Odessa alone, I think they say the general they headed up took $5 million in cash, which he funneled back into Spain uh, in real estate. And he was just relieved to lead the process, kind of the domino. And then Zelensky went in last week and relieved all of them for cause. So we know they've had a major recruiting problem of getting actually young combat troops to the front. Now, this this says that certain units are not fighting. Why this would tend to make sense is that you're not seeing the two things you talked about. You're not seeing real progress in this counteroffensive. And now you've got all this potential buildup of Russia troops maybe uh, coming back in other directions, not focused on the uh, on the counteroffensive, but maybe farther north and striking back into Ukraine. There's some reason that the Ukrainian uh, forces right now are not making progress. Now, it could be because they're not trained. It could be because, hey, we don't have close air support. It could be a number of reasons. But one thing we know is not they're not making progress. And I don't think this not making progress can last forever, Ben Harnwell. Well, you know, another factor to consider, Steve, is the fact that morality um, in, in amongst the people and in the troops. Yesterday, we cited this figure of a, of a Ukrainian poll conducted by Ukrainians for Ukrainians that had 76.6% of the Ukrainian people saying that President Zelensky, and I quote, was directly responsible for the corruption in uh, both the government and the military. Um, it's difficult when, you, when you're going into a meat grinder to, to obey orders to do so. 
if the cause you're fighting for doesn't seem particularly just. Steve, there was another poll I might just add uh, that put uh, the portion of Ukrainians um, at about um, 70% saying that they don't trust NATO and they don't trust the, the European Union because they're, they're, both of these institutions are pursuing their own interests and they're just basically using Ukraine as a pawn. Factor that in as well. And you can start to understand why, uh, why, um, what, why Ukraine has a recruitment problem at this stage of the war. As you say, it's not. Yeah, I'm not so sure. By, by the way, hang on. I'm not so sure that the, that the Ukrainian people don't think their cause which is the independence of Ukraine, I'm not sure they doubt that. I think they look around them and they see Zelensky and his corrupt oligarchs, you know, stealing money, not serving, um, and, 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 and having, uh, sending these young people to battle without a really well-thought-through plan. And then you've got NATO, EU, and the U.S., the escalation group that has fallen into Professor Mersheimer's, hey, they're going to fight to the last Ukrainians dead, right? Or just f- funnel these kids into the charnel house of that front uh, on Donbass, and, and finally people are waking. I don't think they're doubting their cause. They're doubting the fact that, quote-unquote, their partners and, quote-unquote, allies may not have their real interest in mind. They may have other ideas uh, that they're actually looking for. You know, Bobby Kennedy just had this explosive uh, interview the other day. We was talking about, once again, the bioweapons labs in uh, in Ukraine, which we will get to at another time. But... I think there's a lot of doubt about who they're, you know, are they really aligned with guys that have their best interests in mind? Clearly, the parents and the young people scraping up the money have a difference of opinion. That's why this whole recruiting scandal is blowing up in Ukraine because people are paying for those that can afford it are paying for their sons not to have to go into the meat grinder. Ben Harnwell, I know you got some other stuff to go through. Steve, if I just come back, though, um, I did see a poll in the last yeah. few days that said 55% of Ukrainians, only 55% of Ukrainians, believe that that war, that the present war Russia was, um, was inevitable. That is to say 45% believe that it could have been wow. avoided. Um, which, so wow. there will be. That's there brutal. There will be. You know, p- p- so you know what we'll do. We'll bring this, we'll bring, I'll find the poll and we'll, we'll bring it onto the show tomorrow and we'll go through it. Um, so there will be a substantial... Not a majority, but a substantial element of that population that doesn't that is that has doubts as to the to the um, to the righteousness. Not righteousness is the wrong word, but the necessity of the war. And when you're sacrificing everything—your kids, your family, your property, your jobs, your future, your livelihood—you're going to take this into stock. You know why am I? Why is everything I've worked for being shredded? People close to me. You know, what what's it all about? Was it really necessary? And if you started off thinking, well, hang on, you know, we probably could have cut a deal with um, with Putin. Uh, we probably could have been a bit more prudent when it comes to, to NATO membership and avoided all of this. Well, that's a reasonable yeah. calculation for rational people to make, right? When when it's an existential battle. Um, quickly to, to move on, because I know I don't have very much time. Um, Odessa. This is this is reinforcing the point that the mainstream media is not telling us the truth. Um, Odessa, we covered Odessa a couple of weeks ago, right, when Russia was bombing um, the, the grain silos. And Memphis, if you could kindly just scroll down on this article, but there you go. But this is Odessa. This is the rea- reality of Odessa. This is Ukrainians at the beach. Uh, it's not the images that we've been that we've been. Um, 
massaged into thinking of when thinking of Odessa. But you know, they, they, it doesn't look as if people are uh, are um, are too terrified. Not 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 on the southern coast there. Um, so you know, some of what the mainstream media is feeding us is a little bit. There's a dissonance between that and the reality on the ground. Final thing, Steve, final thing. Memphis, if you very kindly pull up the, the fifth article I have. Um, we started off with uh, a, a, an analysis of her household uh, contributions to the war effort. Obviously, this is just a token because, as we've said on the war room from day one, this is, the, the real grift is going to be in the rebuilding of Ukraine rather than the, the, the levelling of it. Here, if you can see Memphis, if you'd very kindly just scroll down um, on the article and, and see a picture there of um, of some of the houses that have um, that are being that are pipeline to be presented oh, to God. Ukrainians. This is this is a design that Estonia yeah. had commissioned, um, and and these are the designs. So you know, I, I read the American Hold press. It, hang I, on. I, I want to do this. This one's so this one this one's so good. I got to save it for another time. Because that design is very much like out in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. It's called a territorial. That was the design, basically, of the, of the pioneers of the 19th century when they really started to get their, their roots. That's a quite American design, and uh, that's to show permanence. So it's outrageous. That's already been approved. That, there's your money. If you're having a tough time with your house, if you, uh, you, know, if you can't get a mortgage, if you're being foreclosed on, if you have to move house because you can't afford your mortgage anymore, Understand that your tax dollars are go to build those lovely houses right there uh, in uh, in Ukraine. That's the officially approved design, correct, Ben? Yes, Steve. It, it absolutely is. It's the officially approved design, um, and that's folks, so what you're going to be paying for once the uh, once the grift. Uh, we're going to pivot. Well, I tell you what, we commit that they're not going to pay for it. We're going to stop these supplementals. Uh, we've already stopped the big funding. They're 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 running for the hills on this. Uh, because they know they don't have the votes. Um, ben, where do people get to you and get all your updates? Thanks, Steve. Warroom.org, the Warroom page on Rumble, or my own personal profile on Getter, which is simply, there it is, Harnwell, my surname at the bottom of the screen there. Tap that in. Uh, follow the link and you'll, you'll, get to, um, you'll get to all the articles I've referenced in the show this evening. Steve, God bless. Thank you so much. Thank Speak you. Speak to you tomorrow. Fantastic job, Ben. Uh, let's go to Dr. Bradley Thayer. I want to put this piece up in America uh, from American Greatness. Dr. Thayer, you're about to bring up something we've talked about, but I don't think focused on the specifics of it. The, the true area of conflict that the American people ought to be focused on is the South China Sea, the Straits of Taiwan, and the defense of Taiwan. Uh, walk me through. You've got a brilliant piece out there that says if we don't stop the aggression that the Chinese Communist Party and the PLA are, are forcing on us every day, we're going to be in a kinetic war. Walk folks through uh, the specifics and the details of the South China Sea and what the CCP is doing to us. Sure, Steve. It's great to join you uh, today. Uh, first, uh, aggression is happening today. The Chinese Communist Party is aggressing against not only Taiwan, uh, Japan and Senkaku Island dispute, but the Philippines. That's happening today. So the center of this, the locus of it, is a place broadly known as Second Thomas Shoal, where the Philippines grounded an LST, a landing ship tank. Uh, Steve, you'll remember those from, uh, although they've been retired in the U.S. Navy, uh, by the time I think you were in, the, uh, in service, 
the U.S. sold a lot of them to countries around the world, including the Philippines. So in 1999, they grounded the LST to essentially establish their control over Second Thomas Shoal. Um, second big point to keep in mind is the CCP is violating treaty agreements and international court agreements regarding territory. The uh, agreement that uh, the ASEAN States Association for the Southeast Asian Nations and the PRC reached, signed in 2000, came into force in 2001, called uh, the Code of Conduct uh, for Behavior in the South China Sea, uh, ensured that coercive measures could not be used to resolve territorial disputes. Also in 2016, the Permanent Court of Arbitration ruled in favor of the Philippines uh, against China. So the CCP, the, uh, China's violating international law and norms of behavior. That shows their willingness to aggress, and that shows their willingness to aggress despite what uh, norms or international law uh, dictates. Third point is we need, the U.S. needs to stand with the Philippines now, that is today, uh, since this really has started to heat up beginning on August 5th, where Chinese Coast Guard vessels uh, use water cannons to prevent Filipino uh, resupply vessels from the, uh, reaching the Filipino uh, vessel called the LST, the Santa, the uh, uh, Sierra Madre. So the U.S. Navy needs to stand with the Philippines to ensure that the Filipinos uh, are resupplied. They have what they need to ensure that Filipino sovereignty is respected. And this is recognized where the Filipinos are widely recognized as Filipino territory. Again, that's very important to keep in mind. China's violating directly today Filipino uh, territory. We also call on Antony Blinken and the Biden administration to take this immediately to the UN uh, to call attention uh, in that environment to this uh, violation, China's coercive behavior against the Philippines. And the U.S. government should work with the U.S. Navy and the Filipino government to ensure vertical resupply uh, of this vessel or that future resupply uh, missions are going to be escorted by the U.S. Coast Guard or by the U.S. Navy. So aggression is occurring today, uh, conducted by the PRC, the People's Republic of China, against the Philippines. And this is just setting the stage for moving against not only the Philippines, but moving against Taiwan uh, and uh, their full court press uh, that they're taking. They want to secure, they want to coerce the Philippines, force the Philippines to accept uh, the demands, uh, illegal demands that the PRC is making against the Philippines as a way of bringing it under control and evicting the U.S. What, 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 uh, what is the Pacific problem. fleet? Uh, what's, what's Pacific fleet command and what is the Biden regime doing on this right now? What actions? Nothing in, in terms of it. The, the State Department released a, a, a statement that we stand with the Filipinos, but that's woefully insufficient. Uh, the, China's pressing the Philippines now, and they're pressing them hard. And to have a simple statement from the State, U.S. State Department is absolutely insufficient. This has to be at the level of the president, and it has to be at the level of the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. And we're just not getting it, Steve. We're just uh, this aggression again is occurring now. It's occurring today. 
it's only going to embolden future aggression if the Biden administration does not stand with the Philippines as the Obama administration gave in in a, a, uh, another dispute in 2012 over Scarborough Shoal, where to the yeah. great discredit of the, Biden, uh, of the Obama administration, um, the uh, Obama administration didn't stand with the well, Philippines. Yeah. Well, and Biden was, in, Biden was in charge of... Biden's is in charge of the uh, pivot to Asia. This this is why the this is why the the money from this is why he's bought and paid for by the CCP and they know it. Doctor Thayer, we got to bounce. I want everybody to read this article. Where do they go to get all of your information? This is a big league. Uh, this piece is up at the American Greatness site today, and you can go to center centerforsecuritypolicy.org dot uh, org to get my writings or uh, on Bradley Thayer at Getter uh, and at Truth. But thank you very much, Steve. Incredible piece, Dr. Thayer. The South China Sea, that's the hot spot, not the Ukraine. Um, make sure go to birchgold.com slash Bannon right now. Get all the information, the pricey on the end of the dollar empire, the move of de-dollarization led by the Chinese Communist Party. Remember, as their economy starts to finally implode, they're trying to take down the dollar with it. They're coming up with an alternative currency on the road to Durban. You get the pricey of everything you need to know about what they're trying to cook up with alternative currencies. Also, HomeTitleLock.com. Don't let cyber criminals get your title. Take out a second mortgage for the hard money lender. You're faced with paying back the principal, the high interest, and they don't want to hear any tears of woe. They're going to say tough break for a swell guy and gal. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and make sure you get information about how to stop cyber criminals messing with your title and your mortgage. And remember, 80% of your 90% of your net worth is tied up in your uh, in your uh, mortgage. Okay, we're going to leave Saginaw, Michigan, a different version. This is a cover by the great Leo Kotke. Leo Kotke, Saginaw, Michigan. I loved a girl in Saginaw, Michigan, the daughter of a wealthy, wealthy man. But he called me that son of a Saginaw fisherman, not good enough to claim his daughter's hand. Now I'm up here in Alaska, looking around for gold. Like a crazy fool, I'm digging in this frozen ground so cold. With each new day, I pray I'll strike it rich and then go back home and claim my love in Saginaw, Michigan.
you're a wise, young, ambitious man. Won't you sell your father-in-law your Klondike claim? Now he's up there in Alaska, digging in the cold, cold ground. The greedy fool is looking for the gold I never found. It serves him right, and no one here is missing him. Least of all, the newlyweds of Saginaw, Michigan. We're the happiest man and wife in Saginaw, Michigan. He's ashamed to show his face. In Saginaw, Michigan. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand, And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. Veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize 
that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.